0: Come, You will enter the home of the ECU Pirates. Pirate Nation, stand up and put your hooks in the sky. Let's make this competition feel what it's like to be surrounded. Y'all with me? Come on. Yeah. 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 Let's get it started. Get your hands at your pocket. Turn up the ball. You're with the bomb and you're the target. It's on. Mind-blowing with the whatnots. Doing everything but stop. Trust, dog. Y'all ain't ready for this. High-powered ECU's on fire. Scorched till the competition's begging for rain.
1: Welcome into the Sports Objective. Uh, very special nights. Basketball season just around the corner for high school and, of course, college uh, MBA, nba i think is uh, actually st- MBA starting tonight uh, so we have uh nba legend on with us obviously for east carolina legend bubba you know um when al michaels was talking about do you believe in miracles and miracles on ice and uh this is a guest we've been wanting on for three and a half years so we have a christmas time a little early right
2: yeah i'm very excited to have blue edwards on the show blue how are things going
3: Bubba Dave, everything's going well, man. Glad to be here with you guys. Been looking forward to it for a while. Let's do it.
1: All right, we're going to bring it in basketball season. You and I were talking some coaches' stories in the green room and obviously ECU, and uh, certainly we'll talk about that. With Green Central, I know you're the head basketball coach uh, there, so we're going to be talking about that. And uh, obviously, uh, one of the funny things that we had, uh, we'll uh, we'll start out the gate here. We'll talk about your ECU career, but – Uh, When people were talking about you and I were talking about ECU basketball and uh, what it's going to take for, you know, to get the program to the level, I guess, you expect and I expect in Pirate Nation. But one of the things we hear all the time is that there's kids in eastern North Carolina, maybe that don't think that they can make it to the NBA. And your coach, Coach Mike Steele, has been on our show a number of times. He said, Uh there's a guy by the name of Blue Edwards. And uh, when he played, there was no Internet. Right, Bubba? There was no Internet. There was no um, all these uh, hype videos and all this kind of stuff, and uh, I think he did pretty well. He made the NBA, right, Bubba? You remember that? Oh yeah.
2: Now, um, now Blue, um, and I know we'll we'll talk about this, and then we'll come back to it, and we'll talk about your recruitment and path to East Carolina. But I'll never forget uh, there in the late '80s, and uh, you can tell us exactly when it happened because I want to say it was a purple gold game. Uh, we, we heard the tales of the shattering of the backboard. <laughs> so uh, okay. uh, t- take us back, because um, I, I guess at the time I was about eight, nine years old. So, so tell us um, about that uh, with, with the shattering of the backboard at, at the old uh, Minji's Coliseum.
3: Oh, absolutely. You know, it was a purple and gold scrimmage game. Um, and right before we, we started to play, uh, there was a dunk contest. You know, me and some of the guys – well, you know, uh, dunking for the fans that had came, had come in, come into the stadium. And it came down to me and a guy named Kevin Stapleton. And I actually missed one of my dunks. I tried to bounce it off the floor and do a three sixty, and I missed it. And he did some dunk. I don't recall what it was, but he made some dunk. And I had to do something spectacular to make up for the fact <laughs> that I just blew a dunk. And at that time, Michael Jordan had come out with the, I guess, the kiss the rim uh dunk right so i did my i heard somebody in the stands say "Blue kiss the rim and so i tried to do my best michael jordan imitation lo and behold shadow the back boy and i didn't know that my high school oh. team my high school coach had brought the team over to watch us scrimmage and so i had a chance to celebrate with those guys but what a phenomenal phenomenal uh uh well day what well, night it was and then to be able to do that and have my uh, high school guys there to watch me was one of the greatest memories and something that I will uh, always look back on and uh, think of fondly.
1: So you're like the Daryl Dawkins, right?
3: <laughs> oh, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> I remember when when, when Daryl Dawkins, uh, you know, first did that. And I was a crazy, crazy Philadelphia 76ers fan. So, you know, I'm like one day I want to be able to uh, break a backboard. But I never thought that I would be, you know, 6'9, 6'10 and 250 pounds either. But yeah, once I did that, I thought about growing up and watching that, you know, unlike Daryl Dawkins, you know, my, my uh, um, poetry writing skills were not that good. So I wasn't able to name my dunks, nor was I able to um, <laughs> put it down on uh, a <laughs> poetry form on paper.
1: Yeah, all of a sudden now in my mind, as we're talking right now, I have the song from Curtis Bloke basketball going in my head. So I'll try to. Oh,
2: wow!
1: <laughs> uh, fo- fo- I'll focus on the interview with you. Uh, wow. Let's. Yeah, I love that old school stuff. Uh, let's let's talk about that. Your recruitment. How do you uh, how do you become a pirate? I know we were talking beforehand. The guys from Kinston and Eastern. We and there's a lot of kids right now. We can talk about that later. Um, that you would think that maybe a few of them would come to East Carolina. I know it's not that simple with the recruiting process, but talk about your recruiting process back in the day in the 80s, and how did you become a Pirate?
3: Actually, I became a Pirate because I was over at Lewisburg Junior College, and my girlfriend, who became my wife, we were playing over there together. Both basketball players decided that we were going to go to the first school that offered us both a scholarship. And it happened to be East Carolina. And when I was in high school, my high school coach, Louis Godwin, took me over to watch a practice at East Carolina. Charlie Harrison was the coach. We watched um, the guys play. And at the end, walking down the hallway, uh, he wanted to introduce me to Charlie Harrison. And evidently, you know, coaches get real busy. He really didn't have much time for us. And I told my coach I would never play. I I said, Coach, don't worry. I would never play at East Carolina. Lo and (laughs) behold, I ended up at East Carolina, and it was the best decision for me. Uh, It gave me a chance to grow as a basketball player, and uh, it gave me a chance to mature into an NBA-caliber player. So it ended up being the right place for me, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm happy about it.
2: You mentioned that name, Lewis Godwin. Um, Obviously, Cliff Godwin, tremendous East Carolina baseball player and now coach, uh, taking um, the Pirates to unprecedented levels, you know, with super regionals and so forth. But uh, talk about Lewis Godwin. Um, a lot of people that are East Carolina baseball fans know that name. And, um, you know, Eastern North Carolina natives know Lewis Godwin from everything he did as basketball coach there at Green Central High School. But now, Give us a glimpse behind the scenes at Lewis Godwin and the type of coach he was.
3: Coach Godwin was my, my first um, high school basketball coach. And I didn't play in junior high school. And I don't think I played uh, in the ninth and 10th grade, maybe the 10th grade, my 10th grade. If I played the 10th grade year, I must not have been very good because I, I don't have any kind of recollection of that. But I remember standing uh, with my back against the wall. And Coach Godwin walked past me, and he looked at me, and he turned around and came back, and he said, "Hey, I hear that you're a pretty good basketball player. You should come out for the team." He said, "From what I hear, you know, you got a chance of uh, uh, going to college and going to the NBA." And as soon as he said that, that's when it clicked because that was my my dream, you know, my goal to go play in the NBA. And I said that at when I was 12 years old that I was going to go to the NBA and play play 10 years and it turned out that's how it happened. Uh, I played 10 years. If I, if I'd been smart, I would have said 16 years. You know, once I got (laughs) to my 10 year mark, I was tired, man, (laughs) you know? Uh, But yeah, coach God was a good coach. I mean, he had me play strictly inside. Couldn't handle the basketball, couldn't shoot, you know? And at that time I didn't know any better. I knew I wasn't going to go anywhere big as a six, four center. But being able to play my back to the basket helped me when I got to Lewisburg junior college. It helped me when I got to East Carolina and it helped me even when I got into the NBA. So every step along the way in my basketball career, I got the right coaching from the right guys that added the proper pieces to my game that made me an NBA player. So coach Godwin uh, motivated me. He got me to believe in myself he got me to be uh, to speak out, to be a leader, uh, and he challenged me to be better than uh, um, you know the guys that I played with, and better than I thought I could be. And so he opened the doors for me in terms of wanting to excel and make that uh, the dream of, the, uh, of uh, becoming an NBA player uh, uh, see it to uh, fruition.
1: In blue, that uh, when you hear that Godwin, when you're talking about Coach Godwin, that sounds a lot like his son, Cliff Godwin. Now, uh, Bubba, with uh, a lot of players that we see of the current roster, but certainly uh, in the past season or two, the, those teams that are making the super regionals uh, like father, like son in this particular case. So I'm warning those players, like in other words, that's a sign like you, I'm this probably the same thing for you with it being a great coach is that you see greatness in that person and maybe they don't even see it yet but you know what it takes to push them to get them to be a better player. And I'm sure a better person too. Can you talk about uh, coach? Can you talk about uh, with your time at East Carolina, maybe some favorite Mike Steele stories. Uh, he's been on with us, as we said a few times and, uh, and uh, always has a lot of nice things to say about you.
3: Mike, uh, Mike was a tremendous coach. Uh, He was another one of those coaches that came along at the right time for a player like myself. Again, what he added to my game was the mental part. um, The, the, the leadership part. um, And he got me to play beyond my comfort zone. Again, all of that helped me to become more marketable for the NBA. Uh, And he challenged me even when I got to the point where I was feeling really good about my game Where we were as a team and how we were playing he would come up with new ways To challenge me and I remember one in particular He called the seniors in and he said I'm gonna talk to the guys and I'm gonna tell them Nobody can shoot the ball unless blue touches it And he goes like blue. I want you to shoot the ball 30 times well, he knew I wasn't gonna shoot 30 times But he wanted the other guys to buy in, to buy into playing, you know, as a team and playing with a certain amount of uh, intensity and focus. It helped us to become a better basketball player. It helped me to become a better all-around player. And once the guys realized that it was the best thing for us, we ended up playing very well. And actually, I did have one game where I shot 32 times. And. I was like I can't do that. <laughs> I can't do that. But Mike, like I said, Mike would he kept me humble. When I would have a good game, and like I said I would feel really good about what I did, he would come up and say something like, "Well, you know, if I shot the ball 18 times, I could score that many points, so I probably would have got more." So he kept me from being <laughs> satisfied, and I took that to the to the practice floor. I took that to the game floor. And now I take it to the practice floor with my players, and some of the same things that he told me then, I'm telling my guys now.
1: I love it when he he says, "Hey, Bubba," he, uh, when Coach uh, Still goes, he pauses and says, "Well, you know," and then you know something. <laughs> He's getting ready to have a like a zinger coming after that. I want it, and that's like his like uh, I guess he prefaces everything before that, but good stuff.
3: You know, a, a, another interesting story, you know, with, with, with Mike Steele, and this is one of the first ones that he told me, It's actually before we started practice, he came down to watch us play over at Memorial Gym. And, you know, I was like one of the players that a friend of mine would go down to the gym, he signed my name first and his. He said, after that, it doesn't matter who we get, we're going to win. Nobody's going to beat us. So Coach came down and watch us play one day, and – You know, I was playing with the better guys and we were beating everybody. And again, I'm walking out the gym and he says, hey, if I get the best players in this gym with you, I should be able to beat everybody. And then he walked down the steps and I'm like, okay, what does that even mean? So later on that night, he called me and he said, tomorrow, when you go play, I want you to get four of the worst players in there and play with them and see if you can win. He said, here's how you do it. If they make a get a rebound, if they pass the ball to you, if they set a screen for you, make it seem like that's the best screen, best pass, best shot ever, and see if you can get those guys to play for you. And I went down there, and I did that. I'm like, I don't know who you are, but I'm playing with you. You're playing with me. And a guy would make a good pass, I would go crazy. And after a while, you got these guys flying around the court, probably playing outside of their head because they're like, all of a sudden, this, this guy is behind us. And so when I got with my teammates, it helped me be a better leader. Uh, it helped my understanding of the, uh, of, of, of the game, and it helped me to become the leader that Mike had envisioned. Uh, And all of that is paying off, you know, even to this to this day, these are lessons that I talk to my players with now. Um, And hopefully they get it and hopefully they, too, can go on to play college ball somewhere and then maybe get a chance to play professionally.
1: Talk about that very thing uh, um, with the guys that you have now at Green Central. Uh, when we're talking about the recruiting process that you went through with uh, Lewisburg, obviously East Carolina uh, as a coach, how do you handle that uh, with uh, like the right fit for the kid? You know, there's sometimes that can be a great player, but they not may not be the right fit for that university or the coaching style may not fit that player. How do you, how do you deal with that? That's something I never had to deal with as a coach, the recruiting process. So how do you handle that?
3: Well, with, you know, Uh, I've had a couple of players that were recruited by college and I tell them this is how it happened for me. It was a gut instinct, a gut feeling. When you know when you talk to the coach, you get on the campus, you know if you fit in right away. I'm like, don't go to a particular college just because of the coach, because what if the coach leaves? Are you going to be happy there? So go to a place where you 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 feel that you fit in. On the court, off the court, in a place that you can grow. Everybody wants to play Division One, Major Division One, but everybody's not that good. But go to a place where you can play and be challenged, uh, and just take your time. Um, make a wise decision after you've gathered all of all of the facts. Um, and uh, you know, my my message to them is to make yourself as well-rounded a player as possible make sure you uh uh you know you work you keep yourself in shape make sure you continue to go to you know go to class and you know get the degree and all of that but just take your time and don't get caught up in uh going to a place just because of the name or just because someone else is going there it might not work out for you I had a player, a really good player for me, Amajay Dodd. He went to UNC Wilmington, a good fit for him at the time. In his first year, he played for three coaches. Second year, um, did not have as much playing time. Um, He transferred, found another fit for him. And unfortunately, he sidelined this year because he he tore his ACL. So what I'm telling him now is you have to be patient. This is the time for you to grow physically mentally spiritually um hopefully your basketball iq will grow as well and then when you get a chance to play again you're going to be so much better because of it um i had a red a redshirt year where i had to sit out and i think in that year i became extremely good because i worked on my body my conditioning and my basketball iq
1: with the, go ahead, Bubba.
2: You know, Blue, uh, you've already talked about Charlie Harrison who recruited you to East Carolina, and then obviously Mike Steele as well. Um, Just talk about your senior season, that 88-89 season. Uh, You averaged right at 27 points and seven rebounds a game. Um, After, you know, shooting the ball sparingly um, from from three-point range, uh your previous season with the pirates uh you shot right at 50 percent. i want to say it was something like 25 out of uh, 51 or 25 out of 49 from three-point range um just tremendous numbers and showing the next level that you had that range and you had that versatility in your game so just what are your memories of that 88 89 season Uh, you had the opportunity uh I think, multiple times in your career to play at Duke in a tremendous atmosphere like Cameron Indoor Stadium and also uh, some uh, road foes like South Carolina, et cetera?
3: Um, that certainly was a memorable season for me. It was my, my, my senior year. Um, I just wanted to go out a winner. I wanted to go out um, with trying to get my team – well, get my team into the NCAA tournament. That was my goal. We came up short, but we grew as a team, grew as, as players. I thought every night we went out to play, we played to win and had a chance to win basketball games. We were somewhat inexperienced up front. Um, I remember, you know, Mike kind of, I don't think I really actually played a position, it was moving me all around the court, depending on who the other team guarded me with If They guarded me with somebody small. I usually started out close around the basket. If they guarded me with somebody big, I played on the on the perimeter. So for me, it was figuring out new ways to play, new ways to incorporate my. Again, that that season helped me to grow as a leader, uh, as an NBA type player. Um, but I had fun, got fun with the guys: Kenny Murphy, uh, Reed Lose, Jeff Kelly. Uh, Brooks Bryant, guys that I still stay in contact with, you know, to this day. Um, and again, playing for a guy like Mike Steele, he he helped me tremendously on and off the court, and I'm in, indebted to him, you know, for the rest of my life.
1: Sorry, right, but that was on, on mute. Blue, uh, talk about that. Uh, you talk about the experience of East Carolina. Can you talk about maybe some of those CAA runs, or the tournament, or uh, and that? And also, I uh, wanted to talk about your NBA. How did you make it to the NBA? I know you said you had a great story in the green room. Uh, talk about, I guess, first off, the CAA. Can you hear me?
2: Blue, talk about – Blue, can you hear me?
1: What's going
2: Believe we're having some technical issues. Uh, Blue, if you can hear us, if you would, uh, maybe – there you go. Sign out and sign back in.
1: Yeah, I just want to get his response, Bubba. Um, In the green room, he was uh, saying that he had a great story he's going to tell us about the nba and how that whole process went down for him to make the nba so that uh, that and the caa tournaments i wanted to talk to him about yeah i was uh, um
2: i was at the hampton coliseum uh, for that caa tournament i know that surprises you dave but my dad had bought and bought a, a book of tickets to that tournament and um we had made that road trip. We really thought we were going to make the run, Um, you know, won the first round game. I want to say it was against American and then lost by about seven or eight to to George Mason in the semifinals. But, but um, that game, if I recall correctly, it really um, in seven or eight points, isn't a wide margin to begin with, but I want to say that was one that came down to the final couple minutes. And we just didn't make the plays necessary to win it down the stretch. It was a, Competitive game throughout and uh, really looked like the Pirates might advance to the championship game as they did. I guess what about four years later when when we won it in 92, 93. And uh, just one moment, I believe, believe Blue is back with us.
1: Yeah, he's in the green room and uh, we'll bring him back in. Uh, I guess he doesn't want to talk about the (laughs) the CAA tournament. I'm just kidding. Uh, With the technical difficulties there. uh, yeah, and uh, I, I was joking there. Uh-huh. Yeah, can you hear me? Can you hear me now?
3: Yeah, I can. Yes. Uh
1: huh. Blue said okay. he had, had enough. I was Dave. asking about. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was joking. I was uh, talking about the CAA tournament. First off, if you can talk about your uh, any special memories you have of the tournament and uh, during your time at East Carolina, and then I want you to tell the story about how you. Um, how you made it to the NBA? I think you said you had a story. We're talking in the green room that maybe people will be surprised or they would like to know about you.
3: Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Well, certainly, you know, playing in the uh, in the Colonial Athletic Association tournament were, were fun times because now you know that getting uh, a chance to play for the uh, the uh, the chance to go to the NCAA tournament, and certainly my my senior year, I was really focused on that, and I thought we were on our way. We won our first round game. And then we played a game against, uh, I think it was uh, George Mason. We were playing very, I mean, extremely well. Um, Although that particular game, I did not shoot the ball well. But we had a comfortable lead. And just late in the game, I think they started to double team me. And we had some guys miss some open shots, miss some free throws. And they ended up hitting three or four threes down the stretch and ended up beating us. But I felt like my team in defeat, I felt like we really gave it all we had. So when you empty yourself on the court like that, you don't walk off with any kind of regret. I felt like all the guys competed and I felt like we were together and I felt like we had a chance to win. We just came up short and that was as far as we could go. And walking off that floor, you know, I was proud of my team, proud of the coaching staff because we were, we were prepared to uh, to win and we had, quite a bit of uh, fan support. And uh, so I I left that last game, as I said, did not shoot the ball well. But I felt like as a team, we played as well as we possibly could have. Uh, It wasn't meant to be.
2: So, Blue, talk about where things went from there. Um, Pirates falling, like you mentioned, in that nail-biter against George Mason in the CAA semifinals at the Hampton Coliseum. Um, just talk about, uh, you know, NBA scouts, the conversations they were having with you, um, you know, maybe, you know, any involvement uh, of various parties and, you know, where things went from there uh, up until the point uh, that you were drafted 21st overall by
3: the Utah Jazz. Bubba, the first time that I remember talking about, you know, going to the NBA is when I was 12 years old when I said that I was going to go to the NBA. Not many people wanted to hear that, right? Not many people believe that a guy from Washingtonburg, North Carolina, a small town would end up being an NBA player. But it was something that I said quietly to myself and to whoever else would listen. No matter when they say, oh, it's not going to happen, uh, a, a pro can't come from Greene County, um, it did not dissuade me. So when I talked to Mike Steele, actually, Louis, Louis Goblin was the first one, first coach that mentioned, hey, you got a chance to go to the NBA. Mike Steele was the second one. And he told me, he said, <clears throat> before the season started, he said, now, it's doubtful that NBA scouts would come to Greenville to watch you play. So when you play Duke, I think we played Georgia Tech that year. He said, when you play Duke and Georgia Tech, obviously, the scouts are going to be there to watch Danny Ferry and those guys. Um, the uh, the Duke play, uh, I'm sorry, uh, the Joe. Um, The uh, Georgia Tech players, Tom Hammonds at the time, I think um, Dennis Scott might have been there. He said, those are your games to get scouts to watch you, to learn about you. And I remember going and playing the game, had good games there. We almost beat Georgia Tech, lost by 20, I think like 20 to Duke. I remember we had a home game. The gym was set up um, um, for for the game. We had a shoot around, and one of the balls went over the press row. And uh, knocked over some of the placards. One of my teammates went over to pick up the placards, and he said, "Hey, so a scout from the Bucks is going to be here tonight." I'm like, "Man, get out of here, nobody." I'm like, "Who, who are they going to come see play?" Because My first thoughts was, "Who are we playing? Who are we playing?" And uh, they went over and looked at a few more. It was like the Bucks, the Sixers, um, the you know the, the Nets. It was about seven teams, and I was like oh, wow, scouts are coming to see me play now. Like, cool, okay, just go out and play. Don't don't try to play for the scouts. Just go play your game. And after that, I knew that they were interested. And um, my, my teammates used to kid me about that a lot. But I'm like, okay, this is what you want, the opportunity, you know, don't blow it. And I remember after I got drafted, um, I ran into a guy by the name of Dan Perkadani. He was a scout for the Phoenix Suns. He was in Raleigh watching the ACC games. There was like a snowstorm or whatever, and he stayed an extra day. He happened to be in a bar. The bar was owned by a guy who's an East Carolina booster, and he says, hey, have you ever heard of Blue Edwards? Uh, Dan Perkadani said, no, who is that? And this guy said he plays at East Carolina. He might be the best senior college basketball, basketball player in the state. I'm going down to watch him play later tonight, how about going with me? I'll drive. And he says, I'll let you know. Let me call the team and let me see. They've heard of this guy. Nobody heard of me. He said, OK, I love basketball. Love a chance to find some new talent. And he came down and watched me play. He said halfway through the game, he got on the phone and he says, hey, we need to get down here to East Carolina and watch this guy, Blue Air He's going to be an NBA player. And then so he said he thought that he was going to be the first one there. He may have been the first one there. But after that, he said he started seeing some of his colleagues in and around the game and a buzz started going about, you know, going around about my name. So he knew that I was going to get drafted somewhere and have a chance to play in the NBA. And, um, you know, he was kind of the guy. He says, well, I discovered you. It's too bad we didn't get a chance to draft you. So thank God for that snowstorm.
1: Yeah, no doubt about it. And thank God for that booster. Uh, too and and Raleigh to drive him down and and all that's amazing and uh, I know that a lot of NBA scouts are coming today for like last season with uh, Jaden Gardner we'd have the press conferences and things and there would be guys already there for uh, players like him Um, we were talking about the good players uh, with the recruiting process (laughs) you know one of the things I guess that's uh, a good thing and a bad thing that we're being in Eastern North Carolina we have a lot of talent Um, in this state we always talk about football on this show obviously but there's a lot of great basketball players baseball players and I think obviously population wise being ninth in the whole country as far as population you're going to have now football players and the best some of the best athletes are going to be in North Carolina but how does an East Carolina uh no Joe Dooley has a tough job with the we talked about before um the green room before the show on culture but how do you build a program because it seems like there's a lot of guys at Kinston, maybe if it's not the number one Kinston guy, maybe a, you know, a Kinston high or whatever, the second or third guy you would think would be talented too. Maybe not. I know it is, doesn't always work that way, but I'm just wondering how we can get better players at East Carolina that some of our local homegrown guys.
3: You know what? I think, you know, if you look at the coaching staff, right, and this is not a knock on, you know, Joe Julie or the guys before him with their coaching staff, I look at the coaching staff and I'm, and I'm like, there is no Eastern North Carolina guy. So how would you get East, uh, uh, Eastern North Carolina talent if there's no guy who knows, you know, knows the schools? I remember when George Stackhouse was over at East Carolina, they got two or three kids from Kinson, really good players. Kenson is a good basketball program. They tend to have that one, you know, that one star player every five, six years. But they have other guys on that team that are really good. Other guys that come out of a good program, you may not land the guy like a Brandon Ingram or um a Dontre Styles, but you might add, as you said, the second best player or the third best player. So for East Carolina, you're going to have to have some. Some I'm going to say a local coach from high school, maybe the guy over at Green Central. Who knows? You know, that's, that's a nice little plug for myself. But you got to have somebody in this area that knows the schools that can go and talk players into coming and get lucky on getting a player that has some talent and he has room to grow. If you add two, three, four guys like that, East Carolina could be in a position to have, you know, even, you know, more success on the basketball court than, than, than they're having, you know, uh, right now. And as of late, the absence of that is you have guys who can go out, you know, to Virginia, to Georgia, to Florida, uh, to New Jersey and get players. But it's not quite the same not having, you know, the guys in and around, um, you know, Greenville.
2: Yeah, like you're saying, Blue, um, definitely recall that hire by Bill Herion bringing in George Stackhouse. um, And I I recall thinking at the time uh, that that was an excellent move um, with, you know, all his ties uh, throughout the state, but especially here in Eastern North Carolina. But... um, you know, just talk about you know, kind of we've jumped around a bit, but going back to your your professional experience, um, we you talked about the leading in, uh, leading up to the draft rather. Talk about you know draft night. I remember going over with my dad to a friend's house. I don't know. I'm trying to recall who carried it at the time. You you probably recall I don't know if It's TBS, TNT, or maybe even pay per view. But we were watching the draft. We knew you were going to get drafted. And, Uh, In the first round, probably. And uh, sure enough, you did. 21st overall by the Jazz. So just talk about those emotions on draft night and uh, when you knew for sure that you were going to play for Jerry Sloan.
3: Um, Well, that to me was kind of like a whirlwind because I had gone to play in a couple of senior games and had mixed reviews, went to Japan and played in a senior game there, went to the Chicago uh, pre-draft camp. I think that's when... I think I positioned myself to be a first round draft pick because the way the, the draft, the, the pre-draft camp was set up. We did drills in the morning and then we played. So sometimes, you know, the best way to evaluate a player is when you can kind of kind of get him isolated in shooting drills, ball handling drills, defensive drills, whatever it is, and then watch him play, um, you know, later on that day. And that's what happened. And, and, you know I, I pride myself on being a guy that executes and, and really excels in in drills and you can probably see more of my skill that way um than you can in a game especially when you have a bunch of guys that you're just throwing together for the first time but after that i remember going to my hotel and i passed mike fratello and mike fratello told me that he said if if you're if you're available when we pick at 20 I think it's 22 23 somewhere like that he said we're taking you so at that moment I knew that I was going to be a first round draft pick and so as I was getting ready to board a plane to go to back home back to Greenville my agent called me and said hey would you like to go work out for the Houston Rockets of course so I go to Houston from Houston I go to Portland From Portland, I go to Seattle. From Seattle, I go to Phoenix. So I get to meet Mr. Perkadani. And from there, I go to um, uh, Orlando, Miami. And then eventually, I end up in Atlanta. I didn't work out in Atlanta. I worked out in some of those places. I thought Bernie Bickerstaff in Seattle took me through the hardest workout ever. They had the 17th and 18th pick Uh, When I worked out for the Orlando Magic, um, they took me to a a gym to play and just had guys beat the crap out of me. You know, seeing how tough I was and how if I was going to play through, you know, um, tough competition like that. I'm like, that's that's my game. I'm built for that. So I left there thinking if I get drafted higher than um, Atlanta's pick, I could go number 10 with Orlando. I remember the general manager telling me that the only thing that scared him about my game was he doesn't know if I played against enough competition to be that pick. And it was like maybe their first pick. Uh, uh, I think it was their first pick. First or second uh, pick. Um, So then with Seattle, I knew that there was a chance in Seattle. I knew that I could go 20 if Houston had made a trade. I knew that the, Chicago was was mildly interested, but I left there knowing that I'm going to be drafted. So when I get home to Greenville, I'm exhausted because I've been in like nine cities in nine days. Mike Fratello wanted me to stay in, in, uh, in Atlanta. He said, because you know we're going to draft you. And you're going to have to turn around and come right back. And I said, well, my girlfriend is back at my apartment, and so is my high school coach and my college coach, and I'd rather be home in case... I don't get drafted at all. So when my name was actually called, I was asleep. I was on the couch asleep. My girlfriend woke me up and she said, they, they picked you, they picked you. And I'm like, who? She goes, Utah. And I go, Utah? Where the heck is Utah? I never talked to Utah. What, what are they doing drafting me? And then my phone rang. It was Jerry Sloan. I talked to Jerry Sloan. I talked to Carl Malone. I talked to the equipment guy. He told me that they had my number 30 waiting for me. And um, I think after that, I went back to sleep. So that night, draft night, I was exhausted, (laughs) man. I really, it really didn't hit me until a couple of days later. So very, very subdued, tired. um, So that's how it happened.
1: Well, you were asleep and you get drafted. That's great. Most of the time, I (laughs) mean. That, I would be the guy that would probably stay awake and not get drafted. So, <laughs> so <laughs> you have the talent that, that obviously most of us don't to make that league. What, uh, for the guy, for a kid that's 12 years old, like you talking about, there's kids, uh, obviously watching and listening to the show. What are the, what are the things that the NBA scouts, I know they look for different things, but what's some of the things that a kid could be working on at a young age that, that would give them the skill set hopefully to make the league is there something that
3: um i i would say if you're a shooter being able to catch and shoot being able to come off screens and then be able to um create your own shot if you're a small forward um be able to handle the ball and play in space knock down shots attack the rim if you're a point guard um, be able to lead vocally, uh, be able to handle the ball, handle pressure, and shoot and take pressure off your interior guys, your wing guys, um, and always attack the uh, the defense. Penetrate the middle, uh, draw and kick, uh, uh, cause them to collapse, and uh, just create openings for your, your teammates. So work on your all-around game. Uh, yeah. Never stop uh, challenging yourself. Never stop learning. You can always pick up something new from watching other players. Become a student of the game. Like when I was younger, I never went to a basketball camp. Never. Mm-hmm. So the way I learned basketball was watching the ACC games on TV. I would see a, a player do a uh, do a move. If I liked it at a timeout uh, after the game was over at halftime, I would go outside, you know, I I never had a hoop, never had a basketball. I would go outside in the backyard and imagine myself on a court doing that move. And I would do it over and over again. And I said, the next time I get to a gym or a dirt court or whatever, I'm going to practice that move. So that's how I added moves to my game. And uh, so with my high school players now, they watch a lot of basketball. But I'm like, do you study? Okay, do you know how that guy did that? Do you know how he manipulated that defender? Do you understand how he got that shot off and why? So don't just go and just play and run up and down. The ones that excel, the ones that move on, are the ones who become students of the game, the ones who better their skills. And the more skilled you are all around, the better you are, the more valuable you are to a college, and and then uh, eventually to a pro team somewhere.
1: No, no doubt.
3: Excellent points, Blue. And uh, you
2: know, that initial season with the Jazz. Um, just talk about playing with, um, you know, one of the best duos ever in Stockton and Malone.
3: Oh wow! I mean. Two fantastic players. I remember I hated them at first because they almost beat my Lakers. So I'm like, who are these guys? (laughs) Carl Malone, you know, big guy running the court like that. John Stockton, you know, with his incredible passing ability, you know, so smart as a player. So when I met those guys, I I wasn't in awe of them, but certainly I was aware of how good they were becoming. Because at that point, I think they, you know, I think Stockton may have become an all-star at that time, but certainly you knew that they were going to be good players. They made the game for us so so easy by taking all the pressure away from us, their ability to stay healthy, to, 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 to uh, execute, despite knowing that the other team was going to try to double-team them, take the ball out of their hands or whatever. They were great playmakers, both of them, great finishers, both of them. And I learned a lot from them as a player, both on and off the court, And certainly it was a joy to, to, to play with them. And sometimes you can take it for granted, you know, like, you know, game gets down or, you know, you get down, you know that they're going to do something to bring you back and you just got to be able to carry your, your, you know, your weight every once in a while. I knew that when I played on the side with, with, uh, with Mel, that I was going to get open shots because teams were going to, you know, well teams had to lay in his lap. And so, I'm like, okay, I got to knock these shots down. Got to knock these shots down to take the pressure off. Same thing with, you know, with Stockton. If I get out an open court, you know, he's good at throwing that 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 hit hit pass. Just open the floor, open the court up, and now when you, when teams have to get back, you know, it opens up jump shots for him. Watching those guys in their workouts, the attention to de- detail and the meticulous Fashion in which they went about their shooting, their ball handling, I understand why they are as good as they are, and it's amazing that these guys, you know, rarely got hurt, very consistent, produced at a high level, and certainly Hall of Fame players, and they've earned that.
1: And Blue, talk about the one questions. Obviously, I want to ask you with the with that time during the league. What was the the toughest player uh, as far as defensively, or the toughest player maybe you had uh, to guard? Oh,
3: absolutely! For, for the era that I played, oh, Michael Jordan for sure. Michael was the you know was the cream of the crop. I mean, he was that guy that you know when the game was on, you knew that the stadium was going to be packed and everybody near a TV was going to watch. And I tell my, I tell my players now, because now, you know, they're the Kobe Bryant fans. They're the Kevin Durant fans. They're the LeBron James fan. Oh, they're better than Michael Jordan. Yada, yada, yada. I'm like, no, Michael was, Michael is still better than all of those guys. And it might not be by a great margin anymore, but certainly he's the, uh, you know, the best guy that I ever played against because Michael brought uh, all the intangibles to the court as well as great skill, great athleticism and great competitor it was just that fear factor. I mean, you did not want to get embarrassed. If you guarded Michael Jordan, there was a great chance that you were going to get embarrassed. And I feel like when I play against Michael Jordan as a uh, uh, as you know my rookie year, I, I met Michael a long time ago when I was in high school at a camp. I didn't know who he was, so I don't really count that as meeting Michael Jordan. But I got hurt and he was a guy that helped me over to the sideline. And I happened to see that he had the Carolina sweats on. And I said, hey, do you play on the team? He goes, yes. I'm like, what's your name? Michael Jordan. I'm like, oh, okay, thanks for helping me over here. When we watched him play, it was like, oh, that guy's going to be good. That's the guy from the court, from Franklin Courts. Knew that he was going to be good. Then I met him again when he had the golf uh, classic in yeah. uh, Greenville. And he told me uh, the guy that Mr. Stuart Laneve was the guy that introduced me to Michael Jordan. And he said, My, this is what Michael said. Oh, you look like a big guard. We're going to make sure you go out west. So when I got drafted by Utah, I was like, man, Michael Jordan sent me out west. man. (laughs) (laughs) I wanted to stay on the East Coast. But um, certainly uh, 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 when I played against Michael, you know, you are intimidated. I think I was so intimidated that I wasn't intimidated. That makes sense. I'm like, just keep him in front. You know make him work for his shots contested shots in our first game against michael we beat them in, in the salt palace and i remember john and i combined for the our last nine points and the last well not the last but again the next to the last play of the game was i had to guard michael jordan full court um with i, I think 24 seconds on the shot clock and you know michael goes facing the basket he goes to that right side you know and i'm like just keep him in front nothing easy And when he tried to make that move to get to the free throw line, I was there, went up, and I was contesting the shot. And at the last second, he tried to dump it off to Paxton, and he threw it behind him. I inbound the ball to Stockton near half court. He took a couple of dribbles, got into the paint, and made uh, made a layup. We won the game. After the game, I get to my locker, and there is reporters all around me. Before I walked in, Phil Johnson said, great game, did a good job on Jordan, be careful what you say, Michael reads the papers too. And so, I wanted to make sure I'm not giving him any ammunition to come at me any harder than he already plays. And so, you don't have that with today's players. I mean, you know, I don't know if Michael, well, certainly now it would be LeBron James would, would would look at Twitter and all that kind of stuff. I don't think today's players bring that type of Type of respectful fear to the game, although they are a tremendous players, so. though.
2: Yeah, Blue. In uh, in preparation for this interview, or you know, just knowing that we're going to have you on, I looked up some of your highlights on YouTube, and there was there was a play that was in Utah, you know, and where you had a, you know, you shot faked, got Michael in the air, and, and then made a shot. Do you, you recall the play I'm talking about?
3: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, I probably at, at the high school now, I probably see that play. Somebody showed me that play at least every other day. And I got to, bra- I got to brag about that because that's the great Michael Jordan. Now I'm pretty sure there's a whole lot of stuff where Michael is scoring on me probably at will, but that play right there. Yeah. I, I live and die for that play, man.
1: Yeah. What? <laughs> uh, that's awesome. And that, i tell you, that 98 final, um, I never, I'll never, never forget that. I was at a friend's apartment in Greenville, and we were pulling hard for – not that we were anti-Jordan, but the Jazz, you know, with those guys, you know, that – with that um, – with those te- – you know, that team, you know. It's like you want the mailman, you want Stockton and the guys to win. And I'll never forget that shot. I guess that was game six, wasn't it, when he makes that incredible shot and jumps up in the air? Oh, I yes, think that was – to win it. Um yeah, that absolutely. that's one of those unfortunate memories that I wish I could erase uh because <laughs> I was playing really hard for Utah. Um, it was well deserved. A great team, great players. You know, it's it's one of those things where um, but going back to it, it maybe when you said about that fear, you mm-hmm. know, Jordan's one of those players that if you have the you know, a few seconds on the clock, you pass it to Jordan. Just like with the national championship game in eighty-two over Georgetown, he makes uh-huh. that jump shot with twelve seconds of freshman, nobody even knows. Anything really about it. that time of Mike Jordan, you know, back then, uh, his freshman year, um, he wasn't really good until he came to Carolina and, and all that. And uh, just amazing with uh, just thinking about over the years, that big shot, the big uh, performance he had against uh, a few years in the league right before you, I guess it was when you were still at East Carolina when he scored, what was it, 63 against Bird and all the guys from the Celtics? I mean, uh-huh. there's yeah. those kind of moments. And you have to respect a guy like that. But he was always, I heard, the first guy in the gym and the last one to leave, a gym rat. Um, that's why he became so good is because he took thousands of shots. Um, you can't just uh, – the kids today, I think, uh, Blue, I sound like an 80-year-old man, but they see Sports Center, they see <laughs> the highlights, and they think that Blue Edwards just went out there and made that incredible shot. They don't realize the hours and hours and hours that you put into the gym the, that you put there to, to get that shot where you're so confident, you know, you can make it. Oh, absolutely.
3: You know, absolutely. You know, you got to put in the work to make yourself a better basketball player. You got to try new things and you always got to evolve, add, add different pieces, you know, uh, to your game, make your weaknesses at best, make them non strengths. But if you can uh, eliminate as, 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 as as many weaknesses in your game, weak spots in your game, as possible. And then the other thing is, you got to compete. You know, right now with my high school guys, one of the biggest things that I'm teaching them. I mean, there's a lot of lot of big things that I'm teaching them. It, but one of them is, I want you to compete on the defensive end as much as you do on the offensive end. See if you can turn some of that defensive intensity into offense for yourself. I want you to go out and find points, find ways to score. You know, um, and guys like Michael Jordan, I remember reading about Magic Johnson and, and when he and Bird, you know, had the had the rivalry, the Celtics would make a trade to beat the Lakers. The Lakers would make a trade to beat the Celtics. They weren't thinking about anybody else. But I remember Magic Johnson saying that every summer he wanted to add something new to his game, even if it was something as simple as what he called the, you know, the junior sky hook. And then a, a year he came back. He was a better three-point shooter. Same thing with Larry Bird. He's just being more efficient. Um, you know, you you always got to have that work ethic where you're focused, you're disciplined. I got guys right now on my high school team that are in the gym all the time. I I walk into the gym and watch them shooting. They're shooting with 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 slides on. They're they're, they're shooting with Crocs on. They're going, you know. Less than game speed. When I come in there and we get ready for one of my workouts, shots are going all over the place, balls are going all over the place. And I tell them there's a difference between the way I work out and the way you work out. When I work out, if you work out the way I want you to, you're going to get better. If you work out the way you're doing it, you're just going to be comfortable and not consistent. And that's what I see right now is you not being ready to accept the teaching to make you better.
1: Blue, you bring up an excellent point of the fact that um, Bubba, you know this too, Bubba, is a very fact of just making a quick point of it's easy for anybody to, to, uh, like I was doing my son tonight and my daughter, we're shooting shooting the ball um, at the basketball goal behind, you know, in the backyard um, but you don't have the game speed. You don't have anybody with a hand in your face. You don't have the game on the line. There was no pressure for us tonight, so of course you're gonna make shots. Um, but it's not game speed, right? I mean, that's a big difference. And like you said, with guys with, they would never ever have slides on and <laughs> or right. cross on in the game. So why would you do that? that's a great That's a great point.
3: You know, right? These guys are like, as I said, you know, they they want to play. They they they're getting to the gym, but I'm like, when you walk off the court, I don't care if you spend 10 minutes on the court, make yourself a better basketball player. You gotta feel like you're a better basketball player. And be open-minded to stuff. And then too, watch as much film as you possibly can. Watch just, you know, just some clips and see if you can add that to, you know, add that to your game. You know, a lot of of my kids like to get the gun, the machine, the gun where you know, you can just shoot and shoot and rebound and everything, the passes come back to you perfectly and all that. That's fine. But what if a guy moves you off the spot? You know, what if the pass isn't perfect? You know, so the gun to me is a finishing exercise, but let's go and have you move around, spot up, relocate. Let's see your footwork. Let's see you put the ball on the floor a couple of times and see can you get to a spot and get balanced. You know, uh, uh, I teach a lot about. I know all the scoring spots on the court. So can you get to that spot? You know, can you move a defender backwards with a head fake or a foot fake? Can you move him left or right? Can you pull him towards you? How, how can you manipulate the player and then balance yourself to take a good shot? You know, that's what to me, basketball is all about. And that's what some of the younger, younger guys, you know, struggle with. Now, if you're six, 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 seven, six, eight, and you're, athletic and and really good you won't struggle with any of those particular things but it's the guys that are in that six two to six five range that are on the cusp of cusp of being really good uh, but they just haven't had that breakthrough they they know how to manipulate guys on the court they make shots
2: Blue, earlier we talked about you playing at Cameron Indoor Stadium during your career at East Carolina. Um, I was a huge fan of the NBA, you know, throughout the 90s and, they, and as well as in you know, the late, late 80s. Um, talk about, you know, playing at the Forum, the Boston Garden, Chicago Stadium, um, the Palace at Auburn Hills. You know, some of these um, tremendous venues that had very good atmospheres and then also kind of emerging onto the scene right as you were going into the league. Um, the Charlotte Hornets were coming into existence and uh, they started having those tremendous <clears throat> game in, game out, sellouts and, um, you know, winning winning uh, the league's uh, attendance titles.
3: You know, playing at Cameron, I, I think I I would say for me, that is the best basketball atmosphere that I've ever played in. Um, out, Well, certainly outside of the NBA and what made it great was the fan participation when you have that much energy i'm a crowd guy i'm a fan guy where i draw and i feed off the energy from the crowd and duke uh, by far you know anybody i played against in college they brought more energy more excitement uh to the uh, to the basketball arena and being like right on top of the players you can feel that you can sense that so if you can't go there, I mean, it, it can be a double-edged sword for the people who come there and play. I mean, if you get caught up in it, it can totally throw you off your game. You know, on the, on the other side of that, it can certainly motivate you because it's, it's palpable. You can feel it, and you see these guys having fun. It just makes you loose. Now, some of the better arenas in the NBA, the you know, how about the Hemisphere, uh, hemisphere down in uh, San Antonio, Texas? You know, it was a big arena, but it, it it felt like the fans were on top of you. And, and now you have the uh, the big cavernous arenas now where it feels like the fans are being moved back from you. And you don't feel it as much. It's not as loud. The old Chicago stem playing in there, if you got through the ear ringing that you were subjected to based on the level of noise in there, you could play good basketball. But if you weren't used to it, it'll drive you nuts. But those are great atmospheres. The old Boston Garden. You know, I thought the Boston Garden was when I first saw the Boston Garden, I was under underwhelmed. I'm like, what is this? It looked like an old train station. You know, the floor, the dead spots, you know, the small locker rooms, but it was so much history in there that again, you you felt it walk into the court. And when you walked out there, you're like, man this is the perfect place to play basketball. And then you go to the forum, and you're like, man, this is the perfect place to play basketball. So awesome arenas, uh, rich in in history, and I was certainly blessed to play and compete in there there with my teams and to get some of the greatest players and greatest teams in the world. Dave, before I go to a
2: follow-up question that I had, um, Johnny Garner, chiming in on Facebook. Um, a couple of things. I'm um, not giving but uh, this kind of when we were talking about having a baseball on the half and what that could do with recruiting. like was a deal. Corey Raps was a tremendous player for the Pirates and really came into his own there, uh, his junior and senior seasons. And then also, um, you know, Jeremy Ingram transferring back from Wake Forest. Uh, so those are two that come to mind. You had Chuck Jones; he had been on, on the on the roster under uh, Joe Dooley during his first stint, and then Johnny said he saw you play during your years with the Vancouver Grizzlies, and he had a chance to see at the Forum as well as against the Bullets and also the Charlotte Hornets.
3: Oh well, I mean, yeah, I mean, I remember those guys um, going to the Pirates and everything, and I thought, okay, well, you you, you have Coach Stackhouse there; you're bringing some good talent in. This could be a chance for East Carolina to 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 take a little step forward in certainly getting the the better players in the area to stay. I remember working out, running into Corey Rouse. One day I was working out in the gym with some of my players and he walked in there and I ended up working, working him out. And I think he was playing professionally in in Europe somewhere. So some of those guys I've seen in different different stops here and there. Uh, But certainly watching those guys play, watching them play in the Pirates uniform. Um, was exciting because again, you know the, these these guys are you know are you know were my neighbors, um, and I hope we can get back to that. You know, coaching against Kansas now. I knew that I know that they have some really good players over there too. Um, minus you know Jeremy, uh, not Jeremy um, Brandon Ingram from a few years ago, and Dontre Styles from from last year. Um, they have some other good players over there that could. Um, I believe, play in a pirate uniform and, you know, and do well. And I think all it takes sometimes is if you can get one guy in the area to stay, he might be able to convince somebody from, say, Farmville Central, somebody from South Central, somebody from Conley, somebody from, you know, Green Central, wherever, to stay because all of these guys through the AU circuit become friends. And uh, because of that, you could have guys that you might miss on End up in your program, and hope. Hopefully, it happens for the pirates, and hopefully, they can go on and have you know a couple of twenty-one uh, seasons, get into the NCAA tournament, and give us ex-pirate pirates and pirate fans um, something more to cheer about.
1: No doubt about it. Uh, Blue, you've you been with, very. Uh, I'm sorry, I was just going to say really quick, Bubba. That uh, that's what Holt Naylor did when he was at Conley. And he stays, and there's some other guys. that He was one of the best recruiters for Scotty Montgomery uh, when Montgomery still was still there in Greenville by picking up the phone and calling a lot of those guys to stay, like C.J. Johnson and other guys that that were Conley guys or local guys that he um, talked to and said, "Hey, I want you to come play with me at East Carolina." So hopefully, uh, Coach Dooley can do that uh, here in the near future to have guys, a, a guy, do that for for him.
3: Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, definitely happens hope. a lot
2: and seeing the 30-for-30 um, the 30 30 with uh, the Fab Five, um, you know, the way that tremendous uh, group of players came together at Michigan. And it was very interesting hearing that backstory. But, Blue, uh, you've been very generous with your time. But as we start to wrap this up, I'll just talk about life after basketball. I, mean, I, I know uh, you spent several years in the Charlotte area. I'm about half an hour north of Charlotte now myself. I um, mean, you had your your daughters um, played at East Carolina after beginning their career at UVA, and uh, that was awesome to see uh, them become pirates as well. And uh, ob- obviously, now as we've already referenced, you're back at your
3: back where it all began uh, Green Green Central. Um, I've had a lot, of, you know, I've had a very good uh, good life and uh, been able to do nearly nearly all the things that I set out to do, um, but. Coaching high school basketball was not one of those things. I mean, I coached AAU for um, 10 years and kind of fell in love with it. And I think I, you know, a few years ago, I needed a new challenge, something to get me re-energized. And certainly, you know, basketball is a huge part of my life. And I had a chance to come back to to, to the area and coach. Um, didn't think that I would be here this long, though. But I enjoy it. It's fun. I enjoy uh, uh, meeting, you know, the the families and, and teaching the guys and trying to build, um, you know, or rebuild the program here. Um, so far, it's fun. So as long as it's fun for me, and as long as as I feel like I'm making a difference in the players that I that I coach, I'm gonna continue to do it um, a little bit longer. Um, my daughters are well, living and working in New York right now, so um, the house is empty i'm uh, just looking for a new challenge um i thought for a long time that i wanted to coach in the nba and, and uh in uh, college i mean that's still a possibility and that's still a, uh, still a goal but right now i'm just trying to to become a you know the best high school coach that i can uh, can be and um if i get a chance to advance in basketball coaching wise anywhere else you know that you know that'd be great um, I'm just trying to make sure that I'm ready for that for that next step.
1: Well, before you leave Green Central, I hope you can have like a pipeline from Green Central to East Carolina to get some <laughs> basketball players there. That would be fantastic.
3: It, it would be so. Hopefully, some kids. You know, we got younger kids now that are coming into the program that are really good. Hopefully, I can get two, two. You know, at least two of those guys to to sprout up to six, 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 seven. We're we're close. We got a couple of guys now that are six five. Uh, and still, you know, still young. So who knows? Down the line, you might have some some future Pirates over, over at Green Central.
1: That would be, be fantastic. <laughs> well, Blue, thank you so much, man. Uh, what a great time. You've spent longer than we expected uh, with us. Thank you so much, and uh, love to have you back on, and good luck to uh, Green Central this year. I hope you have a great season, and uh, don't, don't be a stranger.
3: Thank you. Appreciate it, man. And uh, I enjoy being with you guys, and hopefully we can do it again.
1: Sounds good. Hope you have a great night. Appreciate you so much.
3: All right, guys. Take care, Bubba. Take care, Dave.
1: All right, take Thanks, care. Thanks, Blue. All right. All right. Good night. Right, bye, bye. What a huge honor there to have uh, the best basketball player that we've ever had at East Carolina, uh, Bubba. There, and uh, certainly appreciate him coming on. The legendary Blue Edwards, and so I know he spent a long time with us. Appreciate it to him. As always, Bub. I know is uh, we're going to have a great show on Thursday night as well with our Pirate preview, right?
2: Yeah, and Pirates traveling down to TD ECU Stadium. Um, so let's hope, <laughs> let's hope um, the Pirates put a lot of points on the board against a very talented Houston defense. Um, no, not the most challenging of schedules um, thus far for the Cougars, but at the same time, very talented, and um, you know they've generated twenty-four sacks. We're touching on that on last night's program and uh, definitely go back and check that out. Uh, if, you, if you missed the TSO locker room, uh, on the TSO locker room, we caught up with Jaira Wilson, uh, East Carolina linebacker, as well as Ryan Jones, the tight end, who's come in into his own after transferring in from uh, Oklahoma. So um, definitely go back and check that out. But like you are saying, and uh, that trip down to Houston, um, it will be a – be a huge, huge huge win um definitely the biggest win we've had in a long time um and uh undoubtedly biggest win of houston era, in my opinion uh, no doubt about it if we can go down to tdcu stadium and knock off dana holgerson in houston this weekend four o'clock on espnu um uh, biggest thing i'm um, just you know the pirates have have suffered some losses on the offensive line this year um Bailey Malavic went down in the season opener. So we've played without him for uh, a while, but then you also uh, have Rob Vanderlyn who had uh, missed the last couple of games. Uh, hopefully he'll be back. Uh, if not this week, then at least by South Florida. And then you also have uh, Trent Holler who has uh, entered the transfer portal after being dismissed from the program due to a unfortunate off the field incident. So, uh, Hopefully those that we do have, um, they'll, uh, you know, continue to raise their level of play and provide Holton some time and uh, Keaton and Rajay some lanes to run through and uh, find a way to put up some points against Houston And the defense under Coach Harrell will continue to improve.
1: No doubt about it. That's Saturday at four o'clock on ESPNU, as uh, Bubba said, and then. Uh, we'll have our Pirate playback as soon as we can, right, Bubba, Saturday or maybe even Sunday. But certainly we want to make sure that we uh, – that we'll recap the game, the good, the bad, kind of like Clint Eastwood. And Bubba, the good, the bad, the ugly, whatever we get, we're going to be right here on here and uh, for Pirate fans.
2: Yeah, we'll have the Pirate playback. And that, of course, presented by L.K. Custom. Um, You know, star player on that 1983 team. Really appreciate – KK's supportive program, uh, as you see there on the screen for our viewers. Uh, give Kevin a call if you're interested in a home. Um, he's based out of the Greensboro area, but I'm sure, um, you know, if, if you'd like him to, uh, to build you a home, then uh, he'll be glad to uh, travel as needed. Uh, 336-688-8461. Again, 336-688-8461. You can also reach him at kwalkerkev at aol.com. Again, kwalkerkev.com at AOL.com, licensed general contractor. Kevin Walker with l Custom Homes. Appreciate his support of the program. Also appreciate Josh Smith, former East Carolina defensive lineman, ENC Restoration. Um, check them out at encrestoration.biz. Uh, you can give Josh a call if you need any type of commercial or residential uh, exterior cleaning uh, of your business or, or home, uh, deck, Fence and concrete restoration. He does that as well. Pressure washing, uh, you name it. Uh, if if it's uh, in that type of uh, work, and Josh Smith is your guy. I give him a call at 252 241 0812. Again, 252 241 0812. Also appreciate Tim Neal. Uh, check out Tim with his uh, security business. Uh, Tim, um, you know, he can take care of you, anything in the security. Business and Surveillance and Security Solutions, LLC, Um, they pride themselves on being reliable, timely, and accurate. Uh, Give him a call, 716-490-4503. And then last but certainly not least, um, you know, if if you have, obviously uh, we're going into, um, we're still here in fall, but, but, you know, Know, if you do lawn mode, uh, any type of landscape work done, and check out Eastern North Carolina Lawn Pro. Um, they do an excellent job. And, you know, give those guys a call. Uh, Skyler Garner, uh, he's actually a, you know, Lenoir County product, uh, North Lenore High School. Um, you know, he's <clears throat> does tremendous work. And, um, you know, he, he will take care of you uh, with any type of uh, lawn care and landscaping needs. And um, we're having some technical issues here. I'm trying to put his number up on the screen, but i am um, give Tyler a call. Um, that number is 252-933-3555.
1: Appreciate all the big support. Man, the last couple weeks, people were, uh, if you have uh, any business, uh, whether you're a pirate supporting pirates where you're a pirate, or if you're non-pirate and you uh, see the growth of this program, we would love to have you and uh, appreciate Bubba. I know how hard you've been working behind the scenes. We're all trying to do that because this show is uh, very special to us. And there, if you're watching now uh, live or archive, Eastern North Carolina Lawn Pro, again, Skylar Garner, the owner, he does it all for Pitt, Lenore, Green, and Wayne counties. Please take care of him. 252-933-3555. You can email him at easternnclawnpro at gmail.com. For all our friends in Pitt, Lenore, Green, at Wayne Counties, he'll look out for all your residential, commercial, lawn care, and landscaping needs. Uh, give him a call. And we appreciate Bubba We are just on a roll with a lot of people that are stepping up and want to support us for the show. So thank you so much for that. And uh, we were talking about Blue Edwards with the hard work uh, of over three and a half years of shows, over 500 episodes. And we're not going anywhere, right, my friend?
2: No, not at all, and um, going back to our Pirate preview, uh, we'll have the voice of Houston, um, the play-by-play voice on, on Thursday night's show, and then on Saturday, we'll actually, Ted Pardee, who we caught up with in the preseason just to get a general overview oh, yeah. of the Cougars, um, we'll catch up, and he was coming back from uh, across the pond, and uh, he's coming back from London, England, and we'll catch up with Ted on game day and have, you know, 10 or 15 minute conversation with him um, from right there at TD ECU stadium.
1: Fantastic. Appreciate him. And uh, he, he's always very accessible. And thanks so much. All right. For blue Edwards, uh, Bubba, thank you so much for setting that up. And blue is one of our all time favorites and glad to finally catch up with him uh, tonight. Appreciate everybody's support of the program. We'll see you back here live on, that'll be a Thursday night for our private preview. And uh, until next time, As always, go Pirates.
0: Yo, what's going on, y'all? This is Udon Cheek, assistant track and field coach at East Carolina University. You are plugged into the Sports Objective podcast. If you are a fan, you are plugged into the right place. And if you're really a fan, you will share that link. My heart is purple and gold, I'm a pirate down to my soul And I don't back down at all, find out when the cannons explode Boom!